you found the Digging Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you've been listening to and enjoying our little podcast, please help us out by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. Now, before we get started, let's talk a little bit about that Patreon page again. If you've been listening to this podcast, if you're enjoying it, and you think it's worth five bucks a month to you, and you would like to see it keep going and keep being ad-free, then please consider becoming a patron of our show. You can go to patreon.com slash Island and sign up there. As a patron, you can get exclusive access to a live chat during the U.S. broadcast of each new episode of The Curse of Oak Island, and that chat is really a lot of fun. Uh, our patron, Steve, is always in there, is always making a gingers there. A whole bunch of people always show up there to uh, to talk about the episode as it's going live. Um, so come and join us. It's a lot of fun, and it's only for Patreon members. And let me say a huge thank you to our new patron, Dara. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Welcome to the Digging Oak Island family. Come and join us on this uh, on the live chat. It's great to have you. Again, folks, go to patreon.com slash Digging Oak Island to sign up and support the podcast. And remember, it's only five bucks a month and you can cancel anytime. If you prefer not to do the monthly thing, but you want to help out financially, you could do that by just making a one-time donation. The only way I have that set up is through Venmo. You can use my username at Dave McBride Music, which I use for my musician job. Um, and that's kind of my virtual tip jar. So you can certainly go there. Thank you to everyone has done who has done that already. I really do appreciate it. Okay. Let's start today's podcast off like we usually do with emails and messages from you, the listener. And let's start off with Andy, who says, I have to admit... I got too excited when I saw the two-sentence synopsis of the episode that included evidence of an ancient safe. As we just saw, that safe turned out to be a depression in the ground and twisted by Rick or the producers into the possibility of it being safe. This reminds me of the original depression under a tree that led to dig some 200 years ago. And to top the episode all off, a preview of next week's episode where they're draining the swamp again. Thanks, Andy. Andy, um, a couple of things there. Yes, it is possible that Rick does not believe it's a safe, that Rick put out a lot of possibilities that he had in mind, and that was the one the uh, the editors chose to go with. The editors do go out of their way to make everybody seem like a true believer, and Rick certainly is, but uh, to make it seem like these guys also believe in all of this evidence as being evidence and not really don't really show us them talking it out, which I know they do. Um, I could see that you're not a believer from your remark about <laughs> an original depression under a tree some 200 years ago. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd like to know what you think, you know, uh, what keeps you watching uh, and what keeps you coming back. If you feel that the depression 200 years ago was nothing but a depression, I'm kind of curious. Um, and your last thing about draining the swamp this week uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit for sure. Anyway, uh, Andy, thank you. Thank you for getting us started. Love to hear from you again. Let's go now to our patron and great supporter of the show, Ginger. She writes, I would never store anything in a well. I have never heard of anyone using a well to store anything. I've heard people using above ground pump houses to stash their liquor for their spouse. Also to keep things cool from refrigerate for refrigerators uh, or before refrigerators. I thought the suggestion of storage was really reaching Ginger in Nashville. Ginger's talking about the well 
over uh, on the southern end of the uh, over by the rock wall we're hearing on the southern end of the island there uh, and the suggestion that some of them made about building the well to store the treasure uh, I put out a question I believe last week why would anybody do that why would anybody build a well like a well and then store things in it ginger I tend to agree with you I don't think anyone in their right mind really would <laughs> and I would love that to be sort of sussed out a little bit more, right? Talked about a little bit more rather than just thrown out there as a possibility. Anyway, Ginger, great stuff as always. Uh, always love to hear from you in the uh, live chat as well. Now let's go to Nancy. She's also in New Jersey, a fellow New Jersey person here who says, Hi, Dave. Thank you for all your hard work keeping the podcast going. While it has been somewhat casually mentioned in the last two episodes, and as usual, it could be editing, my first thought when they brought up the manuscript is... And he's talking about Nolan's manuscript. This is season 10, and we, they, are just finding out about this manuscript. I know that there have been issues over the years and bad blood between the Nolans and the Blankenships, but I really find it hard to believe that the Laginas did not know about this manuscript until now. This is purely speculation on my part, and again, could be editing, but I've never felt that Tom Nolan is 100% into the work of the Fellowship. He always appears to be just dropping by with a new theory or a place to look, like they are like they are new ideas. I can't believe they have not had many discussions with him to get all of the info he was he has way before this time. I always get the impression that he's just holding stuff back. Thanks again for maintaining the podcast, Nancy in New Jersey. Nancy, um I don't think I can put this on F Tom Nolan. Uh yes, there is bad blood. Uh yes, there was a lot of stuff that Fred Claimed to find that he never revealed. He had a lot of, um, you know, he he was in sort of a contest with Dan Blankenship over who was actually finding things on Oak Island. That was a they had a big sort of, uh, you know, contest with each other uh, that really wasn't very lucrative or very, you know, uh, positive for anyone. And a lot of people have accused Fred Nolan over the years of exaggerating manufacturing evidence, all that kind of stuff. All of that is absolutely true, and I get exactly what you're saying on that. However, I knew about the quadrilateral, <laughs> right? Uh, other uh, people know about it. Other people have done research on these things. We knew about the swamp and things in the swamp. They know this stuff, I think you're not only into editing, but also sort of into directing and producing when you're saying to the guys, hey, why don't you come and sit down and talk about this new project that you want to look into anyway, and let's pretend it's something new. Let's talk about it like you're just discovering it. I think a little bit of that is going on, right? Uh, one of the biggest complaints is that this is a docudrama rather than a documentary. And I think in a lot of instances it is. And I think that's true for a lot of reality shows, put it in quote, uh, put them in quotes. Um, and I think that's true here too. I do think they do that from time to time. And I really think they're doing it here with this stuff from Tom Nolan. Uh, they did know about the manuscript. I'm sure they did. I mean, they supposedly got access to Nolan's stuff and all this when sort of when after Fred's passing or even before Fred's passing and after Dan's passing, uh, the Nolan family kind of got with the Laginas and, uh, you know, thawed the uh, the icy relationship. You would think that would be one of the first things they would show the Laginas. So I, I, I too, find it very hard to believe 
that they didn't know about it. I certainly know that they knew about some of the elements that they're looking into now and that the editing and the production, the direction are making us believe is something they just sort of pulled out of the archives and nobody had thought about. That's it's not really true. Having said all that, I know a lot of people have a problem with that kind of stuff. I got to tell you, I really don't. I understand it. I understand what they're doing. I understand the drama behind it. It doesn't bother me. It bothers a lot of people, and I understand why. But I, I, it does not bother me. I just sort of, it's par for the course and something we've been watching for 10 seasons, right? They've always done this. Really, only the first two seasons were truly kind of in that more reality show documentary feel. And since then, and certainly since the finding of the Lead Cross, this has been much more of a docudrama based on the things they're finding, right? They they do this stuff. I don't, I'm not accusing them of planting anything or faking anything, any of the evidence they're finding. I don't believe any of that. What I do believe, I don't believe they're hiding anything from us. But I do believe that the directors and the producers kind of get them to dramatize it a little bit just to sort of make it a little more fascinating to watch. Anyway, Nancy, great question. Now let's go to one of the biggest supporters of our show, and that man is Steve. He's always on the (laughs) the Patreon discussion. Uh, He's been a supporter for a long time, as has many people we're hearing from today. Uh, He says this. It doesn't react. uh, He's talking about gold. He says it doesn't react with oxygen, so it never rusts or corrodes. Gold is unaffected by air, water, alkalines, or all acids except aqua regia, a mixture of of hydrochloric acid and nitric acid, which can dissolve in gold. This is a great question for Dr. Lukeman in one of the off-season shows. Steve also added an article from Medium.com that kind of explains a little bit of what he's talking about here. Uh, And what he's obviously uh, referring to is the gold in the water samples and the questions that I've been having regarding whether or not one would actually find gold in water samples if that water happened to pass through a treasure chest. I don't know that. I didn't think it could. And according to this article, it doesn't seem like it could. However, Steve, hold. (laughs) Let's hear this email from Mike in Massachusetts. He sent me this. Dave, I am a longtime fan of the Curse of Oak Island, who has recently discovered your excellent podcast. I share your confusion about the finding of gold in the water surrounding the garden shaft and its relation to any treasure. As I was not aware that gold bullion could leach into the water... I located the attached article by Dr. Pufal. I had forgotten his appearance on the show. He runs the lab where the testing is done and found it to be illuminating. According to Dr. Pufal, quote, if treasure does exist, it should leach elements like silver and gold into the water. He notes that the findings are, quote, a direct indication of gold, which may result from treasure or naturally occurring gold leaching into the groundwater. While I would be inclined to reverse the order of those options, naturally occurring seems much more likely to me, at least there appears to be reputable scientific opinion that leaching of gold and silver treasure is a possibility. Onwards to the blob. Keep up the great work, Mike in Massachusetts. Now, I want to, uh, I'm going to try to post this article for you. He has sent me screenshots of that so it might be a little bit more difficult than I want it to be, but um, I do I do want to send you this. I do want you guys to be able to uh, see this. But what I'm going to do here 
It's an article on the Queen's University Gazette, um, and it is talking specifically to Dr. Poufal, who who they describe as, um, if you don't remember him, Doctor of Geological Sciences and Geological Engineering and co-director of the Queen's Facility for Isotope Research. Uh, he's then they call say he's getting a high taste of uh, screen time helping the curse of Oak Island show. Now, there's a lot of questions in here. Actually, there's not that many at all that I'm seeing here. There's only a few. Um, so there's a lot sort of left out. But the one question in particular that they ask him goes like this. It says, walk us through the process of how you analyze the borehole samples. What type of equipment did you use? And Dr. Pufal says, Dr. Spooner, who took samples from boreholes that were drilled in previous seasons of the show, these boreholes were drilled with the hope of discovering old workings and treasures. They're now filled with groundwater that has leached elements from the surrounding soil and rock. If treasure does exist, it should leach elements like silver and gold into the water. The concentration of 65 elements were analyzed using inductive, inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometry, spectrometry, I can't even say that word, in QFIR, the Queen's uh, uh, Institute that they're in, the, the uh, Facility for Isotope Research. Some of these elements are associated with gold and are therefore also good indicators of possible treasure. And the next question is, your findings conclude that samples contain gold. What does that mean for Oak Island? And he writes, he writes, sorry, this finding is significant because in the first time in eight seasons of the show that there is direct indication of gold, which may result from treasures or naturally occurring gold leaching in the water. The problem is he doesn't go in to explain which one's more likely. <laughs> he just says that it could be one or the other. So while I think we now have a possibility, right, Steve, would we say this from a professional and a, and, a, and, a, and a scientist that we might actually have a reason why we would get treasure or indications of treasure in these water samples? I think we still have to find it, right? I mean, maybe I'm a little more hopeful. Uh, I think this helps a little bit, and I think I'm going to try to track either he or Dr. Lukeman down to discuss this a lot more. I'll, again, I'll post that stuff on the Facebook page for you guys, but that's it for the emails and messages this week. If you have any questions or comments you want to have answered here on a podcast, just send them in, diggingoakisland at gmail.com. It is time to talk about season 10 Episode 19, we're getting to the end, guys, of the Curse of Oak Island called Ramping Up, a pun that you will uh, figure out at the end of uh, the podcast here. Now, I'm doing this on the fly, guys. I want to get this out to you as quickly as possible. I've got one day to record. That's today, Wednesday, because uh, on the weekend, I'm heading out to Pittsburgh to see my Pirates on opening day for the weekend. So uh, I'm going to be away doing some baseball this weekend. Uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks for sure, but we're getting towards the end here. I'm already starting to plan out my off-season uh, shows, but we still got a lot to go here. Now, it's there's three places we go to, but the money pit is very quick. Uh, there's only a few things we see here at the Garden Chef, so let's get through that real quick. The show actually begins 
with Scott Barlow and Craig Tester doing another one of these checking in things on the garden shaft, just sort of showing up and getting a brief and hearing that the probe drilling is now, you know, the shaft is down to 65 feet and they're probe drilling out each side of the shaft. Um, the narration says that the 1730 dating, now this is the wood that comes from the um, from the, the garden shaft, makes them think it's from 1730. They say something interesting here, that the dating means, quote, it could be related to the original money pit. That's an interesting theory and a new one on me. Uh, I don't really know what they're trying to get at there. Um, how could it be related to the original money pit? I'm not really sure. Uh, Steve on the Patreon said this. Man, the math just doesn't work for me. If the garden shaft was from 1735 and they, quote unquote, found the money pit in 1795, wouldn't another big depression pit nearby have been conspicuous? Uh, hey, Anthony Vaughn, what's that depression? Possibly, Steve, but you got to remember this was the woods, right? It's all cleared and stuff now, but this is the middle of the woods uh, at the time. Um, I also don't know why you would build two treasure shafts. I'm, I'm, I'm confused by the whole idea. But at least they're acknowledging here that they know that the garden shaft cannot be the original money pit, which we've discussed over and over again on the show. They keep sort of hinting that. Finally, the narration is now coming up with this new interesting theory that it, it's not the money shaft, but it's somehow related to the money shaft. Anyway, they do some probing around. The northeast corner seems uh, quite soft, so they think maybe there's some possible adjacent works, an offset chamber or, uh, you know, uh, a possible tunnel or all of those kind of things. All makes, you know, uh, <laughs> just just sort of kind of upping the drama for us, right? So later on in the show, nothing comes of that, by the way. Later on in the show, Craig and Scott are again here at the Garden Shaft, and they're told that the probing hits something solid at 15 feet off the shaft. And there's some talk about wood or a, or a vault or whatever they said. But it, it ends up later just being a rock. And uh, they pull, this, pull the drill out. And that's the end of that. Um, that's all we really see from the money pit. But I just want to mention something Claude said on the Patreon during this. He wrote, okay, Dave, it's been a while. I got a question for you. So the show keeps referring to an offset chamber as a possibility for where they hid treasure as if this is a common thing when searching for treasure. When in history have we found treasure buried in an offset chamber? Wondering how common an offset chamber really is. Uh, Claude, I don't think it is very common at all. I think, though... That that what they're that the opinion that Marty has of an offset chamber is based on the booby trap system. So if you believe that a booby trap was put in place to flood out the original shaft, should somebody notice it and then uh, you know try to dig, the theory is that then therefore you would build an offset chamber to put these the goods in because you don't want it being victim of the flooding. I hope that makes sense. Your other question about the Templars, uh, has there any Templar treasure ever been dug up or found? Uh, as far as I know, the Templars, much like pirates, didn't seem to bury their treasure. There is no uh, reason to believe they did. There is certainly reason to believe that they had a lot of it, a lot of money, for sure. They were one of the first uh, really great international corporations of, uh, of their time or even of human history. So there was money there. Did they bury it? Eh, probably not. Anyway, 
let's head over to lot 13. And here we're working on the quadrilateral, or what is now being referred to by the narration as the great quadrilateral, in quotes. Don't know why it's now the great one. Maybe they used that last week and I just didn't pay any attention to it. But anyway, we're just going to call it the quadrilateral. Uh, the dig continues here. Dr. Spooner says that artifacts discovered here indicates that um, that it's not natural, that somebody was digging and working here. He's referring to that big staple they found. The fact that that was there and at depth means that obviously this was some sort of working construct. I think Rick is the one who makes an interesting observation that if it is this giant boulder field, it was Rick or Marty, um, that it's certainly not agricultural because what kind of application would an agricultural you know, what would a farmer have for such a thing? I don't know. Uh, as we'll see, not much gets proven here. Billy starts digging. Gary starts metal detecting. And he finds some charcoal pieces that could help date something. We'll see if we get any of that. We didn't today. And then Gary pulls out this big iron rock-looking thing, right? It's just encrusted in, in, um, in rust, Dr. Spooner says, from looking at it, that this goes well back into antiquity. I'm not sure that's true, Dr. Spooner, but uh, we're gonna you, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Gary thinks it's possibly a fragment or a piece of a cannonball. Uh, it, the weird thing is when he's detecting this, right? He at first says from his detecting that whatever he's looking at, whatever they're looking for here, is somehow elongated. But it ends up not being elongated. It ends up being this sort of rock-looking thing. Uh, and I guess the question I have is, why would there be a fragment of a cannonball here? I mean, are, was there a conflict of some kind I'm not I'm not aware of? I mean, that's an interesting thing. That's something to at least think about. You know, grape shot or uh, cannonballs are out of place. A musket ball is not, right? I mean, everybody who lived on the frontier had a musket and could have shot a whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> A squirrel, a snake, I, I don't know, whatever where they could have shot at, right? A bear, who knows, right? But uh, a cannonball, that's kind of that's kind of strange. They decide after digging here that they're not finding anything, so what they're going to do is pick up and move the whole operation to the west, which is what they do. So later on, continue digging, and uh, Rick finds an old piece of glass. And then Dr. Spooner says that they are out of the structure, that they're no longer in digging actively in what is the quadrilateral. And he says, quote, bottom line is you may not, oh, I'm sorry, this comes from uh, Rick. Interesting quote here. Bottom line is we may not uncover anything more than your father did, he says to Tom. Now, we'll circle back to that in a second because the quote I wanted to read to you was Dr. Spooner saying, quote, absolutely certain has been manipulated. Somebody's dug it. It's just who and when they dug, right? So, Dr. Spooner seems to think this is some sort of human feature, um, but as Rick said in the first quote I gave you here, we're not going to learn anything more about it. doesn't seem to be anything else to learn. I'm not sure where they came to that conclusion, but at this point, it reminds me of the Smith's Cove stuff. It was a structure they went after that they knew was there, and they wanted to uncover it possibly just to show the world what this is and another mystery involved in, in Oak Island, maybe to find some artifacts that people didn't find in the past. Um, but they didn't learn anything really new from any of those structures either. And they haven't learned anything from this quadrilateral. Uh, nothing new. As Rick says, nothing more 
than Fred Nolan did however many years ago, now 30 years ago. So that's it for really the quadrilateral. Let's take a break, come back, and talk about the swamp. All right, so some people might be very excited to know that we are back at the swamp. Marty doesn't seem to be very excited, but I think he really is. The whole thing starts off with a war room meeting with the team to discuss swamp permitting and these magnetometer scans done earlier in the year. The good news is the permits have been approved. So the big bad government is no longer stopping them from uh, doing the work they can do, and we can stop belly aching about all that stuff. They decide they're going to drain and and start digging in the swamp. Uh, but funny, they talk about how they're going to discuss magnetometer scans in this war room meeting, but they don't actually do that. They're going to do that in another war room meeting later. Kind of strange little bit of editing there. Draining and pumping begins. Billy has this huge, enormous, uh, you know, um, giant pump there of a you know gas powered pump and uh, he seems to be in charge of all this and he brings in a guy named Tim Hatter who designed this special pump for them and he is listed as working for the Gerhardt Fleet Tech now a Gerhardt what is the Gerhardt Fleet Tech Billy Gerhardt not only owns these contracting companies and all this he also owns a company that repairs all of these heavy equipment you know, all these things, these diggers and these backhoes and all that stuff, also trucks and things like that. He owns a company that did that too. Sometimes, uh, you know, people find it hard to believe that Billy uh, is as successful as he is, but he really is uh, quite a big deal, at least in the contracting business up there. So later on, there is yet another war room meeting. Now, this one is with Jeremy Church. He's a geoscientist. This is the same geoscientist that we saw earlier this year doing the magnetometer scans in the swamp, but also he's the guy who found the SS Matty Blake, the ship-shaped anomaly in the swamp off the seismic scanning that turned out not to be a ship-shaped anomaly, just sand that happened to be in the elongated shape that uh, Matty Blake was certain was a ship. So he's back. He's done more analysis on this magnetometer stuff, the scans that he did earlier in the year. And he shows them a couple of what he calls targets, right? They're anomalies, things that he uh, can't explain what they mean on these magnetometer scans, which he's really just looking for conductivity, essentially doing a deep, large-ranging uh, metal detection, right? <laughs> it's essentially what this is. Uh, he has, again, Church has more analysis. He finds a target at the base of the eye of the swamp, and he calls it not metallic, but doesn't explain then what it is. This is an extremely poorly edited section here that makes it really hard to find out what it is he's trying to get at with this thing, uh, but they kind of skip over it. It's very confusing. I'm not sure what to make of all this. Be that as it may, he's got another target or set of targets that he says are now three feet down. And he says there are possible metallic anomalies that seem to be towards the end of the paved area to the north where that peninsula kind of juts in to the swamp. I'm sure you've seen pictures of it before. Now, what is this all about? When they were originally digging the paved area out of the swamp last season and I think the season before, one of the things that 
was mentioned a couple of times, but not, but not really discussed a lot, was that they were finding almost nothing in the way of artifacts at any of these spots, at all of this paved road. They had the, they had the archaeologists there going through it, right, with a fine-tooth comb, and they weren't finding any kind of artifacts that could help determine who might have built this and for what reason. Things like, you know, ox shoes, musket balls, something like that that at least gives them information. When you have human activity, when you have a road, when you have things like that, you expect to find those type of artifacts within this because people worked there, people used it. It's what you'd find. Look on the side of a highway, guys. You know, you see what I mean. And they found very little of that. Again, reminds me of Smith's Cove. Remember the ramp? One of the things Gary thought they would certainly find with this ramp or this wharf is a lot of stuff under the wharf. Things dropped out, people's pockets or off their shirts or and things like that. I used to own a boat, dropped a whole sort of stuff under my dock on a boat, you know, uh, keys. And there was a cell phone or two and certainly at least three pairs of sunglasses. And I wasn't there working all that much, but uh, you see what I'm getting at. So again, what they're hoping to find is some artifacts, which they haven't found so far. So later we see the draining done. And Billy gets down there with that huge reach uh, digger. I love that thing. A really cool piece of equipment. And Billy starts to uncover some of the dirt around this area and finds again what he calls cobble. So the team thinks it's a feature much like the paved areas. Steve Guptel jumps in, does a, uh, uh, a, a rating to see its elevation, does a, uh, you know, looks to see what its elevation is and plots it a GPS thing and says that it's about the same size or same depth, but it starts talking about it planing up. So here's where the name of this, the uh, show comes from. Apparently they think it's a ramp. The cool thing about it is that show does a great job next of showing us a graphic of how this new feature isn't really a part of the paved road that they believe the paved road continues heading to the northwest. And then this comes off the paved spot sort of to the southwest running perpendicular with the paved road. Early days, guys. It's good to be in the swamp. I love looking at this kind of stuff. Hopefully we find some artifacts, but we just have to wait and see. All right, that's it for this episode of the Digging Oak Island podcast. Don't forget, you can really help us out by becoming a patron. If you think this show is worth five bucks a month to you, then head over to patreon.com slash Digging Oak Island to learn more. Uh, and again, that Patreon live discussion, it's not only a great uh, fun thing to do, but it's a great source for the show. As you see, that is what I do real time. I like, if you want to come and join that discussion, your opinions, your questions will be on the very next podcast. So what you guys think of what you're watching is really kind of what I want to add to our podcast and have been doing for a while now. So if you're a patron, don't forget, come over to that show and it, or come over to that live discussion. And if you can't get there at nine o'clock, but you can watch the show, Later on that night or the next day, 
get some comments in because I'm usually not recording until Wednesday about noon or so. Many weeks I'm even later than that. So you can always get your stuff in or get your comments in. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to make a monthly donation, you can just do a one-time donation via Venmo. Just use the username at Dave McBride Music. If you want to help us out in another way, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everybody, who's done that. We can use a few more. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to at Digging Oak Island in your search bar. And again, if you have any questions or comments you want to send directly to me, please do so via email at digginoakisland at gmail.com. And just keep in mind, if you do send me an email or a direct message on social media, I may just answer it here on the show. So if you don't want your message read aloud to everyone, just make a note of that for me. Well, folks, it is certainly crown time. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island.